This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Breaking Banks Europe. I'm Francesca Liberti, and we are here today for a very special episode featuring one of the most promising company into the payment space. And I'm talking about Zotapay. So I'm here with uh, two guests, uh, and with them, we will deep dive into the alternative payment methods uh, field, which is actually the, the core business of, of the company. So let me introduce them to you. I have the pleasure to have here Valerie Standret, product manager at ZotaPay. Hello, Valerie, and welcome to the show. Hi, Francesca. And also her colleague, Alex Behar, Chief Information Officer, also at ZotaPay. Hello, Alex. Welcome. Hello, Francesca. Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining us. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, ZotaPay is a, is a quite well-known company uh, working globally within the alternative payment methods field, and especially focusing on connecting merchants in Europe, but uh, also in the US with the emerging markets. So let's try firstly to um, understand a little bit more this uh, this field, and uh, we all know that definitely uh, alternative methods, uh, payment methods, are quite crucial, especially when we talk about about emerging markets. Uh, so, if we look at, uh, at at some data, we will see that the penetration of credit cards is really low, and also, for example, the access to bank accounts uh, it's also another very low data. So. Let's try to set a little bit the stage considering this, Valerie, and uh, um, let's try to define the, uh, why alternative payments uh, are so crucial when we talk about the alternative uh, emerging markets, and also what is the ecosystem that ZotaPay has to uh, work in every day. Sure. So the popularity of the alternative payment method has grown in the recent years, especially after the pandemic, where when most of the world moved to the online payments because they didn't have a choice much. Um, and um, basically what the uh, profits and benefits of the alternative, pay, alternative payment methods we see, that's first of all, they're lower risk and uh, they have less fraud uh, than the credit card transactions. So basically it's more secure way of doing the payments. So it makes them ideal for the online transactions. Uh, among their benefits, it's also speed, ease, and accessibility, because most of the APMs, they don't really require bank uh, access to the bank account, um, which basically it's a big relief for uh, people in the emerging markets, which either don't open bank account or um, they get used to, um, they would like to use more of their cell phones. So it's, and it's wider uh, way of options to make the payments. 
not only to have a physical credit card or to have a bank account and you are stick only to this one payment. Um, so how we are trying to, like our Zotapay ecosystem operating in this, uh, we, um, we started to, actually we started our company uh, as an opportunity to work most, first of all, with the emerging markets, which are more problematic markets. And that's, they now became one of our biggest markets. So other companies, they have issues there, we have profit there, and we already know how to deal with them, how to work there, how to adapt it to the needs of the users and our clients. So our biggest markets are actually China, Southeast Asia, Africa, and uh, we are keeping large in this network and being in the same, like on time with uh, improving them because markets really fast growing, and uh, uh, as we're talking probably now somebody already thinking oh maybe this kind of payment math like payment flow will be better for our current generation current people so and maybe like in a half a year it will be more innovations okay, yeah. that's up the challenge yeah, definitely. And, you know, emerging markets, uh, it was funny that you mentioned that for some companies, these are problematic markets. And for you, it's actually quite profitable because it's actually a huge, uh, um, there are huge opportunities over there because there is a big gap probably to to, to be filled. Um, so let's talk a little bit of, of a macro perspective, uh, keep talking about emerging markets. So you mentioned the pandemic was a great accelerator for digital uh, products and purchases, but also if we consider a macro perspective where the um, uh, the, the middle class is it's really growing in emerging markets, therefore also their possibility to buy digital products is also increasing. Um, so how do you tackle to you how do you make sure you tackle all the necessities of this group of of people where, as you mentioned, other companies are lacking? Yeah, so first of all, we are following these trends in these local markets, and we are making sure that we uh, we are trying to integrate all the new payment methods or the most popular payment methods. And uh, also, Plus one word to why it's so important to do the accent on the alternative payment methods. It's first of all that every country, they have a unique uh, payment culture. So it's not like all the world using credit cards. Uh, for example, I will just give like three of the main examples. Let's say in China, they have completely their own ecosystem of cards, their own network connected to the between the it's not really card payments, it's not really bank payments, it's all connected together. It's only within China, it's native for those people. So if China um Chinese person will have a visa, they will simply will not know what to do with this. So if we have our merchants who wants to start uh, working and collecting funds in China, it's very naive to think that they can just put the Visa MasterCard logo on the payment page and accept the payments. Uh, also in LATAM, uh, it's also different culture of the people where they're more, they're still uh, less even digital. They prefer to go and pay with cash, even receive payouts with cash. It's also new ways of accepting and um, um, operating funds. Or for example, in Africa, people, um, 
prefer not to open bank accounts, just to have their mobiles. And let's say in Africa, it's possible to do the payments using the mobile carrier. It something sounds very strange for us, but yeah. it's very native for them. And uh, so we, from our side, trying to follow all of these trends. So you yeah. really need to adjust the, on on the culture you find in in the country. Makes sense. Uh, and I would I would like to add uh, on their financial system as well. In, in Africa, the volatility of, of these emerging market currencies uh, was very high, and and as a result, people lost trust to an extent. In and and uh, don't let me sound like uh, <laughs> like a, a digital asset and a crypto yeah. finance, but people just lost confidence in their financial systems in certain countries, and uh, and they just just started using alternative financial systems. Um, and and the phone minutes. Uh, effectively time uh, is valuable who would have thought and and effectively they're able to exchange value in the form of 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 proxy assets which could be phone minutes or or yeah. source of credits and so on and so forth yeah definitely you know um what you're saying made me thought that uh, um it's really funny because uh, i usually work a lot uh, with emerging markets um, and I travel a lot to emerging countries, uh, both for pleasure and for work. Uh, and I've been recently um, for one month in India. So it was very funny because uh, uh, I was with uh, a lot of European and American people. And in local markets or local places, you know, not even proper restaurants like street uh, food places, everywhere there was this sign that people could actually pay digitally and everybody i mean i was used to that because i work in the financial services but everybody else was like okay my god they don't have maybe basic stuff clean water and things like that but they are so much far from us in terms of digital payments and things like that and many times when i hear these things i i always think that it's just, uh, you know, it's just a different way to, it's just a different method. It's not really like uh, uh, we always refer to underbanked, and of course, many of them are, but it's just a completely different way to look at, at a way of payments. So when you enter in a country, you really need to adapt on the culture you find in this place, right? Um and we are completely used to other payment methods. So for us, credit card, it's something that it's completely normal, you know, while for them, something that it's much easier, digital payments, it's something that is actually quite common. Um, so keeping talking about this, uh, I would like to know from your point of view, why credit cards are completely losing the battle in the emerging market? So which are the factors? Um, first of all, it's what we spoke before. It's about the fraud. So uh, alternative payment methods way much more secure. Besides this, the um, alternative payment methods makes this pay make payment faster and more convenient. For example, when you need to do a payment with the credit card, Usually you need to remember the card and all of the details, but not only this, you need to fill in billing address, uh, your address. Uh, I mean, for some people, maybe it can be too long. Even from my point, like when I'm doing a payment, I really like when I, everything is secure, I just click the button and it proceeds. So, so we have, sorry, Valerie, we have all, uh, all of us have this moment where they are sitting in the That's sofa me. 
And they are yes. like, okay, I'm almost done with my purchase. And they're like, no, I need to, to stand up and get my credit card. It's always like that. Yes. Always. So like, and then you're thinking about this flow of doing this click, centering entry, extra details. So alternative payment methods, uh, it can be most uh, popular, let's say, for this kind of uh, uh, easing the flow. It's uh, either digital wallets. Uh, with the QR codes or even without, or maybe crypto payments, when you simply just you scan the QR, click the button, confirm, that's it. Or for example, with the mobile payments in Africa, you select that this you want this payment method, just enough, just only to select the your mobile carrier, and then you right away receive the notification to your phone, uh, just complete the purchase. You, re you request it, yes, I want this. So you shouldn't remember, go to take a card, remember the address, all of this. It's very fast in a few clicks. That's why people were, that's why actually alternative payment method are winning over the credit cards because it's faster and more secure. So nice. it's actually also cheaper. I, I have a I have a, a sales side argument to make also. Um, the cost of, of participating as a merchant in the ecosystem is, is very, very difficult. And I'll give an example of a of a, I, I adore seafood. So you know, you go to Indonesia, 285 million predominantly young people, average age is under 30, so very digitally native. In the age of the $25 Android phone, the, the penetration rate of mobile devices and internet connected mobile devices is you know 70 80 percent so everyone has a phone uh but as a merchant expecting a merchant to spend a thousand dollars on a post terminal that accepts visa or master is is you know if you go to buy a fish from the fish market and 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 the fisher just came out of the water with their boat which is parked out back and now you expect him to buy or her to buy a thousand dollars worth of equipment to be able to accept your card well the boat costs more than a post terminal or you know or just as much as a post terminal so why would they want to spend this kind of money to participate in an ecosystem uh that the reason why the post terminal so expensive is because it's legacy technology. In fact, I urge you or any of the listeners uh, currently uh, hearing this uh, this recording uh, to to find uh, technology more cake than than the uh, uh, magnetic strip on their credit card around their home. Right, that's something that we kind of the 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 card duopoly, I would say, the Visa and Master duopoly have. Of us in the West, in the OECD markets, they have pushed us into an ecosystem that we now consider normal, but is not necessarily as secure or as fast or as streamlined as modern internet connected everything allows us uh, to kind of participate in. So if 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 one if if there's a, a one way to kind of look at it is that I think emerging markets just leapfrog leapfrog this entire ecosystem of post terminals and uh, and you know uh, acquiring banks and so on and so forth and and they just went into uh, more of a software solution which is of course cheaper the cost curves of software are much better than hardware uh, in any shape and form so that's what I wanted to kind of give us a perspective. Yeah, definitely. And of course, you know, uh, their advantage is also they don't have that much legacy. So, of course, for us, we are completely like thinking that the methods we are using for ages are the only methods, as in many other things. So, uh, definitely, it's uh, I, I believe it's easier 
uh, when there is a much less legacy um, getting a higher penetration uh, of uh, of this kind of payment methods. But so you, imagine going yeah. directly into electric vehicles and then not yeah. having all the, the gas stations and refineries and all those things that actually make consumer uh, yeah. feel possible. So that, that's what happened effectively, right? They were able to just leapfrog this multiple generations of things we had to deal with for the last 40, 50 years. I mean, I think the first cards, the charge cards that started in the US in, in what became today Visa, they started in the 50s. I think the first commercial uh, card, charge card was 50, 54, 56. If you look at actually Wikipedia photos of them, they haven't changed much <laughs> in 70 years. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah, and you, Alex, mentioned also um, about Indonesia, uh, a really young population, and this is basically what is happening in the majority, if not all, emerging countries. So, uh, the percentage of uh, young population it's much higher than the one we have uh, in Europe. Um, so I'm really curious in understanding how do you make sure you can successfully reach out to this segment of the population and uh, that it's mainly forgotten by the majority of um, of the other players, especially when we talk about Europe or US? Uh, the main important object in the purse of the young person is the cell phone or even just the watch. So they prefer to not to carry cash, money, and to, to have all the necessary information on the phone. And that's also the tendency of the different APMs. More of them are more native and more convenient to be used to with the cell phones. So we, from our side, doing the main... Uh, uh, input on making sure that the payment methods are first of all popular in these countries and also more mobile friendly because we see that this is the opportunity to make sure that the payment methods are using as much as possible mobile flow and it's easier. This is what people will choose eventually. Uh, they're already choosing to do the payment with the mobile and when we're doing the researches uh, in the uh, um, like when we're loading our payment page in where usually people uh, load in our payment page, if it's mobile device or it's the browser. So now more and more every year, the mobile devices are winning because this is what people use for payments. Yeah. And of course, I mean, uh, if you are able not to get someone out of there for every, every, having everything uh, at a click, it's, you know, in terms of user experience and uh, frictionless, it's it's the best uh, option, uh, I believe. Um, let's zoom out for a second from the uh, emerging market narratives, but let's keep talking about the young generation. So what we see frequently right now is that many of the purchases, as you were mentioning, Valerie, are made basically through your phone, but also a lot through uh, social media. So we see a lot of brands right now uh, that are pushing a lot uh, to be able to sell directly through Instagram, TikToks, and so on. Um, which is something that we are actually not really used to if we compare to not, not even that many years ago. Um, how is the payment infrastructure adapting to, to this new trend and necessity from, from the merchant side and, of course, the consumer side? So perhaps I'll, I'll jump in here. I, I, I think, um, and, and having having spent a, a number of years following uh, this general narrative arc, um, it's, it's, it's right in line with the way consumer behavior really changes. 
right? I think um, in order to to kind of uh, add more duct tape and and quick fixes to the security of of card payment methods, um, you know, they they one of the first security innovations. And I'm sorry for taking you, away, uh, uh, ladies, back to the '60s again, but uh, one of the first innovations was the CVV code. Uh, so that when a card is changed, you know, a person who has a copy of your card in some hotel cannot just keep charging that card. Um, and so after the CVV, pin, a pin was added and then a chip was added. So actually CVV was... Uh, it was a security feature at first that actually but, but, prevented okay. your end expiration date too. The first cards didn't have either yeah, of Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> so those were added so that if when your card changes, and, you, and of course your card will change periodically as a security feature. We, now, of course, knowing what we know about digital technology right now, this is not a security feature at all. Uh, you know, some some uh, teenager on some darknet forum is, is selling it by the millions, these cards, right? So that actually in, inherently creates a lot of risk in the ecosystem and, uh, of course, dumps the, the cost. All this cost is passed on to all the cardholders out there. Right at the end, it's not that the banks accept this fraud and and you know uh, uh, and are going forward with it without noticing. Uh, of course, us the consumers are the ones that that actually have to have to pay for the entire overall risk in the ecosystem. And with time, um, uh, more and more uh, quick fixes were were made, in which which effectively today having to go through a European payment flow with 3D secure and getting an SMS and perhaps like a, a physical letter from the Pope in order to ensure that the transaction will process. Let's not go into that, uh, Alex. I'm like, uh, I have such a battle against uh, all the all, all the procedure that my credit card holder, it's, it's making me doing every time I try to buy whatever. So it's like, I'm the worst person. I'm, I'm all on your side, guys. <laughs> Yeah, so so I mean I, that kills conversion. We already know this. There's a very solid science as to how the, the fact every step you take or every step you add to the process um, uh, hurts conversion. Um, and one thing we do uh, uh, is we optimize a lot, and and this is uh, I would say a good chunk of of, uh, of Valerie's uh, focus is to optimize uh, these payment flows to reduce the amount of clicks people need to put in, so that we can create this mobile native experience. At the end, um, 80% or more of 80% uh, of, of clients uh, that go through our payment flows do this on a mobile device, which allows us a great degree of flexibility uh, of quickly uh, doing these uh, multi-factor authentication uh, processes based on the provider or whatever the provider security features are for their local country. Uh, you know, the Gojek ecosystem, for example, in Indonesia, as we used Indonesia as an example, uh, that allows us to create a very immersive payment flow, right? They would see an, uh, an Ad online or 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 a, a purchasing opportunity online. They'll go through the checkout process, and we we actually generate a link that pops the payment up. They approve it on the payment app, and then the payment app returns them back into their checkout process. Right. So it's 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 in, it's seamless, it's fast, and secure because inherently it's in it's multi-factor. We already know that 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 person, that young person out there, is holding a phone in their hand, and we know that that phone is authenticated for payment online. The fact that there's like a third blast bit of plastic that you, you know us in the West have to dig through, retrieve, and you know read off numbers uh, is, is something that is just a legacy. It's something that we inherit yeah, exactly. we've been caring for a while. So yeah. as, as, as we, uh, us folks living in the West, as we're getting 
um, older and older, the majority of the young population is actually in emerging markets. Um, and so they're a lot more digitally savvy. They're a lot more native uh, to, to these mobile ecosystems than we are. And you'd be very surprised as to how, especially in Southeast Asia, how they approach the mobile ecosystem. You know, it, it just brings a smile to, to my face every time I look at how these youngsters are, are just embracing connectivity. Um, you know, when when uh, when I was growing up specifically, and maybe I'm dating myself, right? But uh, it, I I could never imagine that at pace at which mobile communication could evolve, and and of course payments with it. So we we are we have uh, set a strategy for for a few years now uh, to be really on the forefront of this, and to be able to translate really these peculiarities and and specifics of these local markets and understanding of how they work into something that a Western merchant client of ours can actually consume uh, in a reasonable way. And so we have to translate this cultural narrative between, uh, you know, uh, uh, how an 18-year-old Indonesian with a phone in their pocket thinks to how a uh, European payment executive thinks for some, you know, merchant. Yeah, with a huge uh, digital divide. <laughs> yes, yes, there is. Yeah. I mean, there is a digital divide there. And, and yeah. really, I guess uh, um, we, we focus a lot on just trying to put these two ends together and make them understand each other. Makes sense. And and I'm going to ask you at the end uh, about the future of uh, how do you imagine the future? But uh, let's let's keep it for later. Uh, so we're going to now stop for a very short break and we will be back uh, in a minute. Zotapay is a payment gateway service that enables online businesses to access a wide range of alternative payment methods to suit their specific needs and those of their customers. With their connections to more than 1,000 financial institutions around the world, Zotapay helps companies branch out into emerging markets, ensuring that their products are accessible to anyone, anywhere. For more information, go to Zotapay.com. And we are back at Breaking Banks Europe together with Alex and Valerie from Zotapay, talking about alternative payment methods. So guys, we uh, already deep dive into quite some interesting topics, I think. Um, and the second part, the, the first question I want to, to ask you, it's more about the merchant side. So we talk a lot about consumers and uh, young generation approach to, to digital payments and so on. But let's talk a little bit about the other side of the fence. So the merchants. Um, how can merchants leverage uh, the use of alternative payments uh, and be sure they reach to this huge junk of, uh, um, of people that can buy from them? Sure. So first of all, we offer, let's say, the number one question in front of us was how to combine all of these alternative payment methods for the merchant. Uh, how specific end user can know that he can pay with variety of different payment methods because when we offer this it means that end user can select out of different opportunities what is actually suitable for him more more options to pay end user has meaning more successful ratio uh merchants traffic has so we combine it all in the smart cashier page which is fully customizable which can be um customized by the merchant. Merchant can decide what to enable, what to disable. Uh, it's also listens to different kinds of risks. So it has deeper logic uh, inside. But 
eventually it's all we are in a win-win situation that we can offer all the possible local payment methods on one page on one plate to the end user and even if we are offering let's say bank online bank transfers it can mean that behind these 10 banks we can have 20 different providers which also improve the approval ratio because um we are trying to make as much as possible integrations even from, for one and the same payment methods and obviously merchants winning from this because we are offering better solutions which more stable approval ratio stable traffic and eventually the user ending with a big um um like big amount of options for the payment and also we started the conversation that the uh, apms over the credit cards they are more secure so obviously that's way lower risk uh, exposure in the payments uh which definitely merchant can like more because they feel more secure for their funds or in some markets for example it's uh, especially as some of our merchants asking us how are you so successful in China? Like we tried, oh my God, it was horrible experience. How did you manage? It took us years, but eventually we do have we do have our own uh, risk mechanism, how to make funds secure even inside of China. Uh, so this is part of our service to our clients. We just want merchants to be happy that they can offer as much as possible payment methods for their end users. Nice, very nice. And um, let's keep talk about the um, differentiator factor uh, that makes SodaPay quite successful. So um, I'm not sure you are aware of this, but our audience is definitely um, definitely is. We launched recently a program called the Breaking Payments, where we interviewed quite a lot of uh, uh, payment companies, uh, especially the new payment unicorns. And what we noticed is that uh, um, they are all competing on payment orchestration and alternative routes. So they are all looking at that uh, that space. And it makes sense, as we said before, because the opportunities are, are huge. Uh, so what do you think are the differentiator factors uh, uh, in the case of ZotaPay, for example? Uh, because I think that price cannot definitely be the one that makes a difference. What do you think? So we, first of all, handling not only integrations to different payment providers, but also payment money management and also customer service. It all comes together in a package to the merchant. Meaning that, first of all, we are taking care that we can adapt the local payment flow to the most convenient for the end user. Um, so less clicks, more approval ratio, this is what we know. And uh, um, more we're opening new country, more we see that um, they, they are unique, the payment flows to what end user gets used to. It, it allows us also a bit to play and maybe to have some better ideas how we display it on our payment page and how we guide the end user with as less as possible uh, um, like steps or places where he can stuck and not to complete the payment. But that's only one obvious piece of the story. Um, besides this, the money management, how to take the funds out of this country. It's also our team is handling. Uh, and it's a very big story into which most of our merchants don't even want to start. Because, okay, you can uh, 
each of the merchant, especially big merchant, can complete the payment, like the technical integration. But then how you extract the funds? So our team already have the money changers, the contacts. The global treasury, the global treasury ecosystem, yes. Yes, ecosystem. And people know how to work with each other and how eventually to make sure that these funds, first of all, secured and can be delivered on time. And besides this, it's also one of the important factors, and it was very nice comment of our one of our biggest merchants. It's actually customer success because one of our merchants decided, "I can do India. I can, uh, I can, I, I can handle this." They made technical integration. They even found the way how to take funds out of there. They simply couldn't work with their uh, customer support. Uh, they um, and they said, "No, we are going to you, Zotapay." because we know that you provide us quick, efficient service. So we are taking these headaches on us. Our team is handling all of this um, and making sure that merchant receiving um, best service ever and never stays without, like never stays unresponded. Yeah, so basically a win-win for, for everybody, the, the customer and the and the merchant. That's Enzo Tapay, of course. <laughs> I think I think there's a there's a, a, a slightly more boring reason that is worth mentioning too. I mean, in, in we're currently uh, doing this recording in Tel Aviv, but we have offices in seven countries, and um, just in the Tel Aviv office, there's I think 31 or 32 different nationalities working in here. So it's it's very difficult to use uh, inappropriate language in any language uh, because someone else speaks that language too. And this gives us a, 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 a really a boring diversity advantage, the ability to manage these relationships that take a while to build. Uh, and a lot of this, a lot of this is trust in, in emerging markets. I think um, a lot of the Western payment uh, ecosystem focuses on cards, which means at the end, you're just getting through intermediaries that will do Visa and Master mm -hmm. for you, right? No matter how you slice the cake, you end up Visa Master, right? So whether you go directly or through third-party Payfax or any of uh, uh, any of the sort. I think that in, in alternative payment methods, uh, um, and especially in certain countries, because of of, of the ways uh, their ecosystem developed, and because of support from central banks and regulators, there uh, they're just uh, able to compete on cost with uh, with the the traditional car providers already, uh, and that really gives us an advantage over there of saying, you know, you 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 know, Mister Merchant or Mrs. Uh, Merchant Executive, you are you know spending a tremendous uh, marketing um budget at the same time you're pulling uh some emerging market out there and the brand recognition is incredible because you're mm -hmm. maybe advertising in the world cup or yeah. uh, football or anything of the sort but but then you know the conversion rate is abysmal so so when, when we show up and say look you could improve your conversion rate by the virtue of just accepting whatever everyone carries in their pocket. I think by the last uh, FIS uh, global payments report, I think it was around 17%, the penetration of Visa and Master in Indonesia. We'll yeah. take Indonesia as an example again. Right, so on the 20% is, is is nothing. So I just uh, one out of five persons, you know, that you might be able to target will be able to pay you. And I think this the boring factor of 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 us being able to manage these relationships is is has really given given us an advantage. Uh, to say the least, it's a marathon and not a sprint, right? So it's not whoever has the fanciest bit of tech or um or the best salespeople. It's really whoever is able to do this year after year after year 
over and over again. And that's where I think the long-term value lies. And, and, and our customers recognize this um, and, and we have a high loyalty as a result uh, of our ability to manage this over time and reliably. I think the majority of, of our cycles here are, are really spent creating technology around the processes that we establish. And and let's uh, let's talk about the technology indeed. Uh, um, so before, let's deep dive a little bit into how the technology has evolved during the years. Because uh, uh, as we said before, we have seen quite some changes in the behavior of people, but also I believe in the technology that is applied. And let's also see um, how. Uh, ZotaPay is leveraging uh, on the technology? So we have, we uh, delivered, uh, we developed our own uh, gateway. Uh, we call it MetaGate. So it's our own technology, which is its payment gateway, which allows us to orchestrate payments, track the payments, calculate balances, to do a lot of different things, which helping us to to work. Um, and the main thing, it since the goal of the company was that the credit card, it's not everything is spinning in our, around credit card. We needed to make sure that this new technology, which we developed, the payment gateway, is not uh, thinking like, first of all, is working with the alternative payment methods. Because alternative payment methods, they have unique needs. If we are talking from the risk perspective, they require different vision on how the risk system and risk rules needs to look like for the APMs. When we're talking from the point of view how we want orchestrate the payments to route the traffic to uh, create this payment strategy and uh, change different providers, it's different from what credit card wants. Or even simply how the our merchants will see details about their order because when inside of the back office. Because if you're talking about the credit card or just simply bank transfer, of course, they want to see the number of the credit card. This is the main point or even out of the experience working with another gateways for which credit card was the main North Star. It's not for us. But everything was designed only around the credit card. So when it comes to APMs, it didn't have the necessary information about the payment. It was not user-friendly for our merchants to read the information about alternative payment methods. Uh, for example, when we're talking about uh, now one of the most popular alternative payment methods, crypto, it requires completely different view on the information which needs to see about the transaction. And also it can be more than one transaction within one payment. All of this we needed to adapt, all of this we needed to think about and make sure that we can um, store it on our side, show it on our side, and it will be all user-friendly. User so um, with more payment methods we are um, um, integrating, more we like adapting our payment gateway to work with these new alternative payment methods, and it is our pusher for success. And you mentioned crypto, uh, and of course, when we talk about emerging markets, this is a topic that always come up, uh, because of course, uh, despite the fact that uh, people, my friends uh, can be happy, I, I don't know how many WhatsApp groups I'm in, like, uh, did you see that this went up or went down? And I'm like, yes, guys, let's <laughs> let's talk about something else. But actually, digital assets are quite uh, um 
quite a tool for emerging markets because over there they can make an impact and a differentiator factor. So I know that you use stable coins to compete against the SWIFT SEPA um, systems. So could you tell us a little bit more about this and how does it work? No, I'll probably jump in. Um, so uh, let me let me try to separate as much as I can the the sort of the two tracks of of uh, you know folks on WhatsApp uh, speaking <laughs> whatever coin goes up or yes, down. Yes, please. Uh, without using many explicit words here, I I think I think the the a lot of the buzz around digital assets currently um and and it's pretty obvious is around this sort of a speculative most like a blockchain based casino really yeah. uh than than uh, any meaningful way to build digital businesses on but that does not mean that in 5 years um you know one of the uh, or some of the biggest companies the most the hottest companies in the space might be a dao that is run by um a bunch of very creative folks who are able to actually find killer features um for the blockchain itself so let's split off the sort of the, the speculative craze today with with uh, um, a very uh, uh i would say uh, uh promising and, and already uh, uh stable uses of of blockchain tech um as you as you're well aware there's a, a significant growth in in stable coins between circle and tether i think there's about 130 140 billion uh of issuance uh which is a significant amount already and uh there's many uh, players on the ecosystem that just manage to connect the dots if i move uh balance of of uh, that is you know over a, a few hundred uh, dollars or or euros via swift or sepa all of a sudden uh it's just cheaper to move it over stable coins right today and and you know the 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 way we look at the digital asset space um uh is is more of a enterprise treasury instrument for now than than something uh of of a payment method there is a, a lot of demand for payment methods uh you know we as, as us being a b2b company uh there's a lot of demand on 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 behalf of of our merchant base uh for for cream for crypto payment direct digital asset payments and we're seeing this um go up uh but our focus is on just creating modern uh cost-effective treasuries and that really helps us reduce cost the traditional banking system just like the traditional uh card system of course the du the card duopoly uh has figured out a way to extract we believe an undue amount of value uh, from the participants, uh, both SEPA and SWIFT alike, for what today effectively, I mean, perhaps in the 70s and 80s when some of these systems were being built, you know, the software cost structure looked different than it is today. But um, sending uh, uh, 100,000 USD via SWIFT versus sending 100,000 USDC on Ethereum, you know, the, just the yeah. prices are so vastly different and you're sending... Yeah effectively the rail is different you know you're moving it from, from one financial institution to another financial institution and yet the cost curves is just so vastly different and i think that's really a going forward sort of a challenge to these uh big players out there and we're seeing uh um uh, digital banks starts throwing up and down uh all across the the western hemisphere uh even though some of them are now in the newspapers and and in slight trouble i think like in any industry at the end some some strong players will find their footing 
Um, and I really see a, a significant challenge to Swift and SEPA when it comes to uh, especially the public chains of, of today with, with uh, stablecoin um, issuers. Yeah. Um, so looking forward, though, and, and I think, uh, you know, taking off my my treasury hat um and and looking forward as to as to what user adoption might look like uh i i think there's there's the uh, you know the, the most fundamental thesis is that there's just so much brain power being spent on developing technologies on top of the blockchain that it's just uh, it's it's pretty much inevitable that we'll find some other killer features other than moving value um usd denominated value <laughs> um, and and uh over the next few years i i expect a lot more uh things to start digitizing themselves and a lot of, uh, in terms of 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 their ability to conduct transactions on public chains and a lot more applications to kind of start sprouting. At the end, um, the digital ecosystem itself it doesn't mean much uh, unless you're able to to uh, communicate from it to the traditional uh, ecosystem, right? So effectively going from digital assets to fiat and back. So I guess the, the players um, of the future uh, and, and banking institutions out there, such as the stablecoin providers I mentioned, but also others that are no doubt uh, currently in planning or launching or are to launch, they will provide a significant challenge, uh, both in terms of acceptance and and of what just the global currency means. I think we we as as our propensity and and us growing up and spending our entire careers in fairly stable financial environments, such as the euro or USD um, areas of of influence, effectively OECD countries. I I think that it's very difficult for many of us to really fathom what it means to have an eighty percent inflation in one year, right? And once this happens, and once it erodes a generation worth of acquired wealth, I think young people are feeling disillusioned already at this end and the only the only way this can go is further adoption now if if a forecasting is 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 a, is a clearly very difficult and i'll leave this for for well-read analysts to do but i the only thing that i can say with a fair degree of confidence is just adoption 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 uh with every year right, we're seeing just demand from people who are just skeptics a few months ago and they're like oh we heard the treasury now <laughs> we managed <laughs> so it's just it's just a matter of time yeah it's just yes, a matter yes. of time and and um it, it just takes a little while for for adoption to occur but it's 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 just going to happen yeah. uh there's no other way cost curves always work and you were also mentioning the cost indeed and uh, let's hope that soon even smaller transaction could be very much cost effective uh, because right now you say that uh, for digital assets, uh, uh, even right now, for, for some uh, amounts, uh, it's much, much more convenient than the, the SEPA SWIFT uh, methods. But let's see what's the future it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's having for us. So about this, I have a very last question for you guys, because uh, unfortunately, we are almost at the end of the episode. But so talking about the future of payments. So we all hope, or at least I do very much, even though I'm Italian and I'm from a very um, cash-driven society. <laughs> I really hope that uh, at it's some the last point... The to phase out the 500 bill euro, yeah? <laughs> yes, exactly. No, 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 you cannot imagine. I Every day I have huge fights with taxi drivers because, uh, you know, they are very much used to cash, but let's not go into that. <laughs> so I really hope uh, to have very soon a fully cashless society. 
but I don't know what you guys think. So how do you imagine if we could jump like, uh, or with a crystal ball right now, or really jump into 20 years from now, how do you see uh, the future of payments? Uh, I think it's no need even to jump 20 years. We see already a decent, uh, solid way forward to the cashless world um, because most and more, most and more, more and more countries they're switching to more cashless uh, way of paying people to the bank accounts, switching even the governmental um, um, uh, fees, let's say, and services also to online, uh, creating different apps for people to pay also via online public transportations. Eventually, we see people which prefer to go shopping online, to order delivery online. So it's all already happening. And APMs see this, they're picking up, and this is how they also develop and and, um, and it's all merging in like together and fulfilling each other. People's need, and here's the payment method, how they can fit uh, this to be done and actually to be done. And uh, it will be, we will be in the full cashless world way sooner than 20 years. I would say if now I cannot imagine going out of a house without my phone because everything is there. So probably in uh, 10 years, we will not even need a phone to pay. It will be like something else and even, even quicker. So we'll see. Nice. So let's do another episode in in five years then. So <laughs> we will yeah. see we will see where we at. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Um, so uh, one thing I kind of wanted to to add about this is the fact that uh, just the velocity of funds is different now. So I like to think of you know looking at a few data points that happened over the last few years and kind of continuing that track forward and and you know seeing where that dot leads in five years and i think uh, it's just the velocity of capital has changed you know cash is effectively slow capital you need to take it somewhere and pay someone um with, with all the with, risk connected yeah yes yes with all the risk connected i mean imagine what it used to be just 50 years ago um without before even swift and separate yeah, yeah. Uh, so so i think that just looking at at how um um if i could just draw a parallel from just the adoption of the internet and news in the news cycle uh news used to be something that a person would have to bring uh in a newspaper form and or, or you know once or twice a day on on you know half an hour news segment on television uh but today the the everything happens at the internet speed right and internet speed is fast speed and speed of light um, so I think that that that's where the consumer demand effectively is going also, and and that's what our our future will end up also looking. Whoever is not able to operate at the speed of the internet is ripe for disruption, uh, and should be looking right behind uh, their their shoulder uh, for for innovation that is to come. Great. Thanks a lot, guys. So we reached the episode, the end of this episode. Um, I think we, uh, we, we highlight a lot of uh, uh, very interesting topics with you. So I'd really like to thank you both. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Valerie, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Francesca. And thank you very much to our audience. Of course, uh, keep following Breaking Banks Europe on all uh, streaming platforms and on uh, our social media. I'm Francesca Liberti and see you next week. Ciao. 
Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.